0: I remember one time we were thinking about a fog machine for a youth event, and had I known all we had to do was plug the organ in, and uh, get the same effect, we'd set the fire alarms off probably if we had. But you know, I was looking, brother, just talking there, and uh, so I decided I'd look up, start thinking about this ad to write. Beautiful, vintage, organ. Looked up vintage on thesaurus.com while I was sitting right down there. Now I got an ad. Let me get rid of that. Y'all let me decide later. I looked up some more words that mean the same thing as vintage choice, classic, old. Anyway, any of those probably apply. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, uh, you know. It kind of goes along with my train of thought tonight back in John chapter 3. Uh, certain times of the year kind of make us think of certain words, I think. And, uh, you know, around Christmas time there's certainly uh, words uh, in our vocabulary that, that uh, may be in uh, even all of the decorations we see around. Think about joy and peace. You know, Mary's got some pillows, some Christmas pillows that go out on in the living room there that say joy and peace and she got about three or four million snowmen there in the living room and she's even got some snowmen pillows that sit there or whatever they are on that same and they say joy and peace those are good words Uh, another word I think about come to Christmas time is hope Uh, because uh, you know it really is we think about the story of our Savior thinking about the story of uh, God loving us so much that he sent his only begotten son It really ought to give us hope and Tonight, we're going to look a little deeper, a little further into the life of uh, Nicodemus. And I think we'll see that although we may read this, and and it might not show a lot of hope for Nicodemus, as we follow his story on, we'll see uh, that it does end with hope. And uh, it ought to give us some hope for our witness as we seek to tell others about Jesus. Read with me John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1 again. Tonight, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and you don't know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know. And testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down uh, from heaven, that is, the Son of Man, who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him of God. We'll stop there for now. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the truths of your word. Thank you for the hope of scripture. Thank you for the hope of heaven, and we thank you for the hope that we find at Christmas time. I pray now that you'd speak to us through your word. Show us what you'd have us to learn. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we, we read this text. Of course, we... Um, we use John 3.16, I use John 3.16 uh, a lot, especially when, when talking to kids because the kids know John 3.16. And they were talking about salvation and use that verse. And, you know, the sad part of the story is as we read in John chapter 3 about Nicodemus, we really don't know that he left this conversation saved. Uh, there's really every indication that he leaves this conversation without having saving faith. Because as we look here at the text, uh, it would go back to verse 10. You know, it says, Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, We speak what we know and testify what we've seen, and you do not receive our witness. Now, the you there. Uh, in verse 11, is the plural you. Or as uh, if Jesus lived in South Arkansas, he'd have probably said, y'all don't receive our witness, okay? That's what Jesus is saying. He's pointing back to the fact, like we talked about this morning, at the end of chapter 2, there it says that Jesus knew what was in a man. And just paraphrasing, Jesus knew they only believed because of what they saw. They didn't have saving faith. They only believed based on what they could see with their human eyes. But nevertheless, all indications point back to the fact that Nicodemus left this conversation still only believing based on what he could see, not believing based on saving faith. But before we move on and we add some hope, to this whole narrative. There's something else that I uh, didn't uh, point out this morning that uh, that I think is of, uh, it's very essential to this whole conversation of Nehemiah and his uh, salvation. In verse 10 that we read just a minute ago, Jesus referred to him as the teacher of Israel. The teacher of Israel. Now, Holman's Bible Dictionary says that this term means he was an authority on the interpretation of Hebrew scriptures. So Nicodemus is one of the guys you'd go to if you you know you're studying your Hebrew scriptures and you say I don't understand what this, this means. You go to somebody like Nicodemus. He was an authority. You know he would uh, may even be somebody that other uh, rabbis would quote. He was an authority on the Hebrew. Scriptures. So stop and think about the Hebrew Scriptures for a minute. That's what we call the Old Testament. What does the entirety of the Old Testament point to? Jesus. The entirety of the Old Testament points to Jesus. You know, Nicodemus' Old Testament knowledge should have pointed him to who Jesus was. I mean, we even go to a scripture like 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, Uh, Paul tells Timothy, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, the Old Testament, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. You know, so far as we know, based on what we know about the conversion of Timothy and his ministry with Paul, Timothy wasn't an expert on the Hebrew Scripture. He certainly knew a lot. He he had certainly learned a lot about the Hebrew Scripture, but Timothy's not the guy you'd walk up to and call the teacher of Israel. But Paul told Timothy, said, there's enough in the Old Testament to show you who Jesus is. And if there was enough to show Timothy, somebody who, he was reasonably well read on the Scripture, but not an expert. How'd the expert miss it? Why didn't the Old Testament point Nicodemus to the truth of who Jesus is? Well, I think he was blinded by what he'd always been taught. He was blinded by what he always thought. He saw, as he read the Scripture, what he wanted to see. Remember, he asked Jesus, how can an old man give up everything he's ever believed and start over from scratch? That's what he was asking. How can an old man go back in his mother's womb and start over? How can an old man be be forced or be caused to completely change who he is? The greatest obstacle, I believe, that any of us ever face in accepting the truth of Scripture is our own belief. And the greatest obstacle we'll ever face in sharing the Scripture our own personal biases. You know, I mean, we may see somebody, and this is just a sad fact, we may see somebody and say, they'd never be receptive to the gospel, so I'm just not going to share it. Our own personal biases may keep us from sharing the gospel just as quickly as it may keep somebody from accepting the gospel, and that's a tragedy. But the story doesn't end here. Go over to John chapter 7. Turn a page or two or three over, however many it is in your Bible, to John chapter 7. Jesus is back in Jerusalem. Once again, Jesus is causing a stir. John chapter 7, verse 37. It says, On that day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirst.'" Let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Therefore, many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, said, Truly, this is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David from the, and from the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. Now some of them wanted to take him, but uh, no one laid hands on him. Then the officers came to the chief priest and the Pharisees uh, who said to them, why have you not brought him? The officers answered, No man ever spoke like this man. Then the Pharisees answered them, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, he who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he's doing? They answered and said to him, Are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. And everyone went to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. So, this is all happening before the Sanhedrin. This, after Jesus has made his great declaration, there begins to be this argument before the Sanhedrin. They don't like what Jesus is doing. They don't like Jesus' interpretation of the Scriptures. They don't like the fact that Jesus claims to be God, and they certainly don't like the fact that people are following Jesus instead of them. Very, very power-hungry people, these chief priests and Pharisees. They want Jesus arrested. And so it says the officers, now that's the, the temple guards, that's the Levites, kind of like a police force that kept peace on the temple grounds. They, they come in and said, no no man's ever spoken like this man. And so the Pharisees kind of make fun at these officers. They're saying, are you deceived? You know, in other words, you fools. Kind of find out who the fools are as we read on through here because um, they say, he may have deceived you, but he hadn't deceived us. And then we find Nicodemus. They say, do any rulers of the Pharisees believe? They don't know that Nicodemus is leaning that way. Notice that Nicodemus doesn't jump right out and defend Jesus, doesn't jump right out and support Jesus, but he comes to his defense and saying he ought to be given a fair hearing. He's saying uh, you know, we ought to have an open mind about this. But look at what they say in verse 52. They answered and said to him, are you also from Galilee? Search and look for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. These experts in the Hebrew scripture have missed something. And that's the fact that Jonah came from Galilee. There was another prophet from Galilee. And, of course, we back up here, and they say in verse 42, Has not the Scripture said that the Christ is to come from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem? They hadn't done their homework, have they? Oh, little town of Bethlehem, they didn't sing the hymn back then, Rick. They hadn't done their homework of where Jesus is from. But Nicodemus is starting to come around. Nicodemus is starting to see things. Let's look one more place, and that's way a little bit further over John chapter 19. We'll draw all this together in John chapter 19. We skip down to uh, verse 28. Jesus is on the cross. And it says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that Scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Therefore, because it was the preparation day, Uh, that the bodies should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day. The Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and they might be taken away. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out, and he. Uh, who has seen, has testified, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe. For these things were done, that the scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, They shall look on him whom they pierced. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, uh, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate, that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took the body of Jesus. And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. Then they took the body of Jesus and bound it in strips of linen with the spices, and uh, as the custom of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place... Uh, where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had uh, yet been laid. So there they laid Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day, for the tomb was nearby. Jesus has been crucified. Joseph of Arimathea, verse 38 says, is a secret disciple for fear of the Jews. He is no doubt a wealthy man, as he is described in scripture, and And uh, we know he's a member of the Sanhedrin. And he comes to bury Jesus. But he doesn't come alone. Old Nicodemus came. Now, follow me here for just a minute. Because John specifically tells us, there in verse 38, that Joseph of Arimathea is a disciple of Jesus. He's a follower of Jesus. He's one who truly believes in Jesus, has faith, saving faith in Jesus Christ. And then you got Nicodemus. See, in Matthew 7, Jesus says, you'll know my disciples by their fruit. By the fruit their life uh, exhibits. By the the fruit their lives produce. Our actions indicate the presence of good or bad fruit that Nicodemus would come at high risk to himself. Joseph is a secret disciple because of his fear for the Jews. Don't you know Nicodemus probably was too? But there's little doubt in my mind that Nicodemus eventually became a true follower of Jesus. Because James says that our works prove our salvation. Our salvation is not accomplished by works. It's accomplished by faith. But our salvation is proven by our works. And that he would risk it all to help Joseph care for the body of Jesus. To me, I think that is, an, that is his faith being worked out. So what implications does all this have for us? I think it gives us hope. Christmas time, at any time, because Nicodemus first heard the gospel from Jesus, from Jesus himself. And there's every indication there in John chapter 3 that Nicodemus didn't have saving faith in John chapter 3. You see, we shouldn't get discouraged when we share the gospel and they don't immediately repent and accept Christ as their Savior. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, Paul even said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. In due season, it appears that Nicodemus trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior. Christmas time ought to cause us to have a renewed focus on sharing the gospel. And as we do that, I pray that we won't lose hope as we share the gospel. If somebody doesn't accept it right away, I, I hope we'll keep watering that seed and that we'll, we'll keep revisiting that, that we will pray for those, knowing that it's not our job to bring about the immediate results. It all belongs to him. Our job's just to keep sowing the seed, and there's no better time than Christmas time to focus on that. Is there anything before we go? Not if you'll stand and we'll be dismissed with a word of prayer.